On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Evan Dolgo from Jarvis ML. We talked all about machine learning. We talked about warehouse logistics. We talked about how, you know, in the next six to 12 months, machine learning is going to be everywhere and you need to know what to look out for. Not all machine learning is created equal. Uh, we talked about some of the use cases, um, how it can really help speed up the learning uh, that you have as an e-commerce brand. Guys, you are not going to want to miss this episode. If you are a mid-seven-figure brand and above listen up are you struggling with ads this year uh how about growth in general what about profitability supply chain issues got you down you are not alone as a brand owner myself i totally get this ios 14 has ravaged many smaller brands the good news our clients at upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched don't get me wrong we had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post-iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, are you trying to continuously optimize your website and still you suffer from a poor conversion rate? Do most of the visitors on your website just drop off without actually viewing a single product and you've got zero clue why? And did you know that the average conversion rate in brick and mortar is actually 30%? Imagine having a 30% conversion rate on your website. Sounds like a dream, right? That's because your website is missing the biggest driver of conversion that brick and mortar stores have, and that's a sales associate. Rep is a company that has developed the world's first ever AI-powered sales associate and is bringing the store associate online for e-com brands. It is a sales-focused chatbot that uses AI to automatically identify and approach disengaged customers with a contextual and personalized conversation to upgrade your customer experience and increase your sales. Just like in brick and mortar, it recommends products, answers product-related questions, and even upsells. So go to hellorep.ai slash upgrowth and get a two-week free trial and a special offer just for our listeners. 50% off your first 12 months. You are not going to want to miss this one. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am joined by Evan Dolgo, a machine learning expert from Jarvis ML. Uh, Evan, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Evan, for people who know nothing about you or, or anything about like what the heck is a machine learning expert, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. My background's interesting because I have experience both on the physical side of e-commerce and the digital side of e-commerce. Uh, my last cool. venture was in warehouse development. So we built warehousing to support the e-commerce industry. And then as soon as I was able to partner that up with a big developer, I switched over to the digital side where I joined the founding team at Jarvis ML. And I'm a machine learning consultant. And at the end of the day, Machine learning is is in the background of things. It's what spoon feeds us what we want to see when we go on Amazon or on social media. Problem is, it's in the hands of big tech. It's not in the hands of small business. So mm. I joined uh, Jarvis ML, which is the team that founded Google Ads machine learning platform. And we're essentially empowering small businesses or specifically DTC e-commerce sites with the same powers that Amazon has that way when the 
customer lands on your website, you'll be able to convert them just like Amazon converts all of us. Wow. Wow. Crazy, crazy. I, I'm looking forward to diving into the machine learning side. I think before that, I would love to chat uh, because, you know, 2022, brutal year for for e-com in general, right? I don't think that any of us are saying like, whoa, this is crazy banner year, right? I think that the people who are, you know, breaking or, you know, even year over year or up, you know, a couple percentage points, they're the ones that are really winning this year, as far as we can tell. And then costs are going like crazy, right? The logistics costs, shipping costs, all that kind of stuff. I'd love to get into that warehousing side of things and, and talk a little bit about through some of the learnings that you've had there over the years. And then let's get into some of the machine learning stuff after. Sure. It's uh, it's very interesting because especially in America, customers think that these packages just appear magically at their front door, but there's an entire logistics network, which is incredibly important to the entire uh, system. So what happens is when you order that package from across the seas and it lands on U.S. soil, it lands at the port off a big boat. And these boats, these freights have over 20,000 containers. People think there's only a couple hundred, 20,000 containers on a single freight. Then it goes to the port. That's crazy. I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that there was 20,000 of them. I always think I'm so special bringing in one of these you know, big things, but I'm just one of 20,000 on one of 20,000 boats coming over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, the actual bottom of the boat is hollow. So those containers go 10 stories all the way to the water. People just wow. think it's stacked on top, but I think the biggest boats now have almost 30,000 huge containers. So that's the crazy. amount of stuff being transported. It's, that's uh, insane. Wow. So, I did not know that. I, I didn't realize that they were hollow. I, I obviously don't great. pay attention to any of this kind of stuff or like, so this is great. I'm already enjoying this. That's perfect because it's classic. Uh, just it appears and now it's in my yeah. hands and I'm wearing it. Yeah. But there's a whole life cycle to these things. So once it lands at the port, it can't stay at the port for long. Otherwise, it the port charges crazy fees. Also, you got to deliver it to your customer. So from the port, the goal is to get it to what we call in the industry a bomber, which is over 300,000 square foot warehouse uh, within a call it one or two hour drive of the port. The goal of the bombers is so that you can reorganize the package and then you can deliver it within a 12 hour drive to a last mile center. I say 12 hours because that's the legal driving limit for a truck driver. So for example, my warehousing projects are all in New Jersey because New Jersey is within a 12-hour drive of almost 150 million Americans. So just mm. one leg and you have half of the country. So once you go Crazy. from the bomber, 12-hour drive to the last mile center could be Chicago, Tennessee, Boston, you name it. Then it goes to the last mile centers, which are these 100 to 300,000 square foot warehouses that reorganizes the package again. And then it goes into the smaller delivery vans and then to your front door. So um, it's simple, but people don't even realize that that whole infrastructure exists. Totally. And what problem were you guys trying to solve with in warehousing? Like, what did you do that helped make things more efficient? Or I, I want to see if we can get some like some learning here for the people listening. What what are some of the big big takeaways that you've seen from brands uh, in how they could potentially save money? Um, all, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So from the business side of things, our philosophy was that retail sales, brick and mortar retail sales made up 85% of all retail sales. That means e-commerce yeah. was only 15%. So would you bet against e-commerce? Probably not. E-commerce is yeah. going up. We, we have a long way to go. So yeah. uh, what we were already noticing is that there was a lot of constriction in the, in the warehousing industry and there wasn't enough supply because everyone is trying to shift their operations to the digital side of things. The problem is, is that warehousing wasn't cool until about a year or two ago. So we don't have nearly enough supply. So one of my buddies and I, we, we, we raised some capital and we immediately started going after land in New Jersey because we saw that New Jersey was the, within a 12 hour drive. And the idea was if we could just build as much warehousing as possible, it will get swallowed up. Uh, now mm. you look at the market and there's not a single
single warehouse for sale on the market, which is crazy. Above 150, 200,000 square feet. Everything goes off market. So that just shows you the appetite for these major corporations trying to swallow up warehousing space. Absolutely. Regarding the operator side, so what should, I guess, e-commerce businesses know about the logistics side of things? I would suggest that they actually visit the facilities that they're going to contract. I know Mm. a lot of new uh, companies, they make it really sexy and cool. Like, hey, use our new platform. It arrives and you have everything digitally. But nothing works better than going to shake the hands of the manager running the facility. Because if something goes wrong, that platform isn't going to answer your question. You're going to have to have someone on the ground. Yeah. And then I would also recommend looking at the facility. What's within a 12-hour drive and where are their core customers? Because if you mm-hmm. can cut down the amount of legs it takes for your, for your package to reach the front door, you're going to save a ton of costs. And air is not the solution. I think only 5 to 8% of all freight travels through air. So it's not a good move if you want to scale rapidly and, and affordably. So let's talk about those brands who have 3PLs in, you know, on the East Coast, but they have customers on the West Coast. When is the time to, to then start splitting up some of that inventory? Because, you know, with the lack of air, like when is that moment? Because that's kind of scary for especially holding on to that much inventory as well. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's really about where, where are they ready to double down? Businesses want to scale. They can't do it just patiently and slowly. They have to be ready for their next move. So if they yeah. see that half of their business is on the East Coast, but they're shipping everything from the West Coast, I say double down. At the end of the day, no matter what, contracting a new facility, find another 3PL, 4PL, 5PL, you name it, it's going to be a risk. You're going to have to sign big contracts. You're going to have to take additional risks. So if you believe in your business and you believe that the East Coast is as strong as your West Coast business, take the risk, jump into it, double down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So is this something that your the this warehousing business that you built up does for customers? No, we are strictly on the real estate side. Uh, we just contract the land. We're, we're bringing through the development process. New Jersey is a very, very uh, high gotcha. area to entry state. It's very, very dirty politics. So if you can get any warehouse built, it's extremely valuable. And we're strictly on the real estate side there. Oh, interesting. I am, you know, as a a Canadian, just as a Vancouver, I'm so interested in that whole area, like the New York, New Jersey. I just listened to this whole podcast series on New Jersey politics. And it's like, it's, it's kind of like a different world than where we are here. You know, we're like super left, green, clean, all this kind of stuff. And it feels like kind of gangsterish over there in New Jersey. So good for you for getting through that. That's and probably a lot of fun, I'm guessing too. You know, they, they call us dirt guys in the industry because we literally look at the map. We find, we look at the roads, which roads are most optimal for this distribution network. Then yeah. we go to the land, we shake hands with the farmers. I've had farmers crawl out of under their tractors. You got to go and shake their hand, even though their fingernails are black from the grease. And you got to talk to them. You said, look, you either cut a deal with me and my buddy and we're going to pick up the phone or you cut a deal with suits and ties and they're likely not going to listen to you and they're going to muscle you into places you don't want to be. So that was the reason why we were able to get, I think over now, 13, 1400 acres of land, several million square feet through the development process in several different towns. And um, yeah, it's fully gangster. You got to just, you got to seize it. No one's going to give it to you here. Uh, Canadians are much nicer than New Yorkers and New Jersey people. <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe that's where, where the fascination comes from, right? It's like, wow, this is a different, this is just a different world, you know, on the same continent, but a different world. <laughs> um, Evan, Crazy. let's, let's get into machine learning. I would love to, for you, just to give me the 30,000 foot overview of kind of the why. And then I'd also love to know the the sort of how, like, how does this actually affect, like, what does this machine learning do? What sort of, what sort of use cases are, are you guys using for e-com? I'd, I'd love to know the, the whole thing. Yeah. So first we have to take a step back and, and discuss AI. 
It's become a buzzword and it's this word that you hear and it's like, don't tell me about it anymore. AI this, AI that. The word's yeah. been used and abused and it's not cool anymore. But what AI actually is, is the ability for a computer to start to interpret things like a human brain. So machine learning is a sector of, as a branch off of AI. What machine okay. learning does is it takes infinite amounts of data that a human can't possibly process and it takes it all into one place, the machine learning brain or the machine learning engine. In that engine, all the data you have, so all those sales, all the customer data, all the logistics data, all that mess that's interconnected in the brain. Within that brain, it draws meaningful connections. What's each, what, what is each customer's purchasing power? What are their preferences and affinities? Do they like blue shirts? Do they like pink shirts? Are they looking for pants? Do they have a girlfriend? Are they buying for their kids? Those are like six data points. Every human has hundreds of thousands, if not millions and millions of data points. So a machine learning engine can draw all those connections and then it can automate in action. So whether it's personalizing a product recommendation or it's recommending a price per a user or just a variety or maybe even a personalized discount based on that person's purchasing power and so on. The idea is that a machine learning engine can do all of this times so much more that I can't even talk about because it's like it would take the, it would take the entire day to explain it all <laughs> within the blink of an eye. And the idea is, is that it empowers your existing team to scale much faster and more efficiently rather than hiring hundreds of employees that still can't match a machine learning engine's ability to connect the dots. This month's sponsor is Rep AI. Rep is the world's first ever AI-powered sales associate for e-commerce website. It's a sales-focused chatbot that uses AI to automatically identify and approach disengaged customers with a contextual and personalized conversation to upgrade customers' experience and increase sales. Just like in brick and mortar, it recommends products, answers product-related questions, and even upsells. So hit hellorep.ai slash upgrowth and get a two-week free trial plus 50% off for your first 12 months. Now back to today's episode. Absolutely. So where are the, like, I'd love to know the use cases that you guys are going into at Jarvis ML. What is your hope for how this could potentially change? Because we talked before about enterprise businesses, right? They've had machine learning and AI, you know, built in for quite some time. I mean, not tons of time, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, where are you guys trying to come in on the market and what kind of problem are you trying to solve for e-com merchants? Yeah, that's the most important part. And the thing with machine learning is that it's just another word that people are now saying or companies are now saying, even though it's not true. So I will caution your listeners with not all machine learning is created equally. Yeah. They, people just say it and they hope that it sticks and it usually does, but not all machine learning is created equally. And I want to emphasize that. And the best way to discover if you're actually using a machine learning solution is go on LinkedIn, go to the company that's trying to sell you that ML solution and go look at their team. Are they 80% sales or are they 80% machine learning engineers? Mm. That will, their pedigree will essentially show you what magic they're selling you. So I gotcha. think that's the best way to see what if your company is actually doing what they're saying. So now that we set that in stone, the best way for us to start delivering machine learning solutions is with the lowest hanging fruit that we see, which is personalization on the website and in marketing. So when we all go on Amazon and Amazon immediately knows what we want because it has a machine learning engine that reads us every time we use it. And it reads us on every email we open and products we click on. So let's say we both go on Amazon and we look up the word tissue box. We'll get the same tissue boxes, probably at different prices with different colors. And we'll also get different stuff. Maybe it knows that I have a kid, so it'll show me baby wipes. And maybe it'll show you that you have a girlfriend, so it'll show you some other stuff. The idea is, is that Amazon is going to serve you products that are personalized to you 
and your ecosystem to increase yeah. the average order value. And not only that, reduce the friction to get you back again and again, which they have done extremely successfully. Yeah. I mean, look at Amazon comparatively to a regular website. What's do, offhand, do you remember what the conversion rate on Amazon is every time somebody goes on? I mean, it's like, it's something like seven or eight X what a regular website's yeah. conversion rate is, right? People go there to purchase, right? They're not just going there to just hang around. And, and Amazon is an interesting thing that we've been talking about on here because we were all no Amazon for, you know, up until last year. It's like, no, 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 this is for D DTC. That's it. No Amazon. I find their platform incredibly interesting and all of the new people that I've been meeting on the podcast and all of that kind of stuff. Let's talk what other sorts of problems you guys are looking to solve. Cause I'm really interested to see like, okay, well, why do I need machine learning for my D2C brands? Yeah, a hundred percent. And and right now, the reason Amazon's conversion rate is 10x the average DTC site is because they have machine learning engines that have been collecting data, cultivating data for years now, and now they're deploying data back decisions nonstop. And they're on this this leveraged growth slope where they're just taking off. So the idea is, is Jarvis is here to democratize machine learning for smaller businesses to sort of swing back the pendulum from Amazon into the hands of small business. And um, all these businesses spend money on ads, and they probably do a good job from what we've seen. Everyone drives people to their website, no problem, but their bounce rate just goes higher and higher with the more they drive because yeah. their website is not ready to convert the customer landing on their website. So machine learning can be viewed as that overall umbrella that can change your site dynamically to each customer and increase your return on ad spend, but also increase your conversion rate, your click-through rate, your engagement rate, you name it. So all that being said, at the core, Jarvis is an intelligence engine. A, any business has several data sets that are just cultivating data and they aren't talking to each other. So what's the point of having data here, data here, your order data, your logistics data, your manufacturing data, your customer data? What's the point of having like six or seven data silos if they don't talk to each other? Yeah, so absolutely. The core, as the intelligence engine, we make the data talk and we unlock a variety of things. So right now it's personalization, but down the line, it's it really can solve any uh, any business any business hurdle that you might be experiencing, specifically regarding scaling. So if you're if you're scaling and you're looking to hire more employees, you should potentially look at a machine learning solution to empower your existing employees uh, with more complex technology that will simplify and automate actions in the long run. Gotcha, gotcha. So who are you guys looking to partner with in at, at Jarvis ML? Like what kinds of other, I just, I'd love to know like the tech stack sort of of what you envision that this is going to look like when fully deployed. Yeah, so we've seen from research that the most amount of like small, small successful businesses are on Shopify. It's just the easiest place to set, shop, set up shop and, and start selling your products. So right now we have a Shopify uh, app that you download Jarvis and within a day, it'll populate some crazy machine learning insights and you can start to um, do these dynamic experiences, the dynamic product experiences throughout your website. So Shopify is by far the easiest way to get our ideal customer profile, which is call it 5 million or so plus revenue with uh, 10 plus thousand monthly web visitors. And that's when machine learning can actually be effective and start to cultivate data for your and also deploy data back decisions. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is an app that, that people can download as of right now who are on Shopify. Shopify, uh, we have a WooCommerce app as well. WooCommerce usually yeah. are larger businesses, but again, machine learning is for everything above that like threshold of 5 million revenue, 10,000 monthly visitors, and so on. Awesome, that's great. And then that machine learning engines need to learn. So the more historical data you have, the faster the engine will learn and the faster you'll start being able to deploy actual machine learning solutions. That's awesome. Uh, I was uh, taking a look at some customer data yesterday that I had to get on one of the companies that we own. And uh, I was just interested to see the amount. I was like, oh, I wonder how much, how many orders the most 
person has made. And it was 206 orders one person has made from us. Clothing, this is a, a clothing company. And they made 206 orders. And I was like, man, if I could create a lookalike out of that one person, <laughs> that would just be absolutely phenomenal. Now, I know that that doesn't exist. What, what kind of data sets are you guys looking at? Like what's a minimum sort of data set to start actually getting some of that learning? Yeah, so I think the best is is web visitors because everyone's they just go to marketing when they want to grow when they want growth. So yeah. you want if let's just pretend like eighty percent of businesses trying to grow will immediately increase their ad spend. So let's say the customers start spending more money on ad spend, more people come to their website, which will then allow the models to draw more lookalikes, like you said, which is okay. This person is from Beverly Hills, has a high spending power, likes these type of clothes, and then seventy five other customers that fall in that that same uh, bundle will give them a guided customer journey as well and reduce their friction. Yeah. So I think the, the lowest hanging fruit for every business is just to drive more customers to their website if they want to actually use machine learning solutions, because the more people they drive to their website, the faster an engine can build models and you can start essentially converting people faster. Gotcha. Gotcha. It just speeds up that learning process. I mean, like yeah. like with anything, right? Like the more numbers that we have, the, the faster we're actually able to synthesize all of that data and know like, oh, we should yeah. go here. We should go there. Yeah. Speed. Right. Speed, speed to me is always the name of the game. Just yeah. like try this, try this, try this. Our one of my uh, my mentors, um, uh, one of the phrases that we use all the time that he taught us is fail fast, fail cheap, fail often. And so we're never scared of failure. Right? It's just like, yeah, yeah, awesome. Let's let's run some traffic. Let's try that out. Let's try this out. Um, and it seemed to work. Evan, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Yeah, that's the million dollar question or billion dollar question now, because now a million dollars is like 200 grand last year. Yeah. <laughs> Secret to scaling is leveraged growth. So I think a lot of businesses, they, they like that linear growth where they are gradually improving. And it's good because they're still improving. They're still making moves, but yeah. it's gradual. So the idea is what, how do you find a leveraged growth opportunity uh, by investing in your quality teammates? So pay more for team members that will get it done quicker. For example, a lawyer may be double the price, but we'll do it in half the time. Yeah. Uh, or another one is you'd rather make less money, but still get a project done faster and at the very least just get it done so a leverage growth opportunity is like look at your calendar find what are you doing that's giving you your 80 20 what is the 20 percent that's giving you 80 percent of the results and double down on that 20 percent and then be ruthless about eliminating all that extra fluff uh, i think that that's the key to leverage growth and uh, if you're able to find that secret leverage growth sauce and keep doubling down on it you're going to notice you'll find that hockey stick curve Absolutely. I, something that comes to mind right away when you talk about that leverage growth as well is something that I think a lot of people that I've chatted with on this podcast and people who listen to this podcast have been, it's, it's been difficult for them to wrap their heads around and that's taking on investors, right? Having that, that type of leverage where it's like, well, hey, you know, we could either be spending a million of our own dollars, which a lot of people don't have necessarily to go, or we can bring on investors. And we can, we can leverage that sort of, you know, in that kind of way and be first to market on a lot of things. So I'm really trying to change my mind on that being a, a bootstrapper my entire life. That to me, I'm really just talking to myself right now. And the rest of you guys can just listen to my own head conversation here. So <laughs> what you're saying is it's very true because um, right now we're working with a lot of e-commerce roll-up companies. So yes. that's their way of finding leverage growth is raise a bunch of money and just start acquiring a bunch of e-commerce companies and rolling them up. So what that shows is that data is actually an asset. So the more data that these smaller DTC brands cultivate, that will carry residual value one day when they decide to sell to a roll-up because these roll-ups aren't just looking at revenue. They're looking at the data you already have, which is essentially demand data. That way they can focus on cross-sells, upsells, and so on. Next thing you yeah. know, they have this behemoth 
behemoth with a bunch of companies just cross-selling to each other, low customer acquisition costs and so on. So I'll leave you with that, that the data is absolutely an asset that should be invested in. Yes, yes, awesome. Uh, Evan, such a great conversation. I've got three more questions for you. I hope that you are ready. I'm ready. Great. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? SalesQL, hands down the best app. Are you familiar with it? No, no, tell me. Oh, it's great. You plug it into your G- your, your Chrome and yeah. you go on anyone's LinkedIn profile. You press the sales QL thing. It gives you all their information. That is crazy. I mean, uh, one of the businesses that we own is an agency. That's what this podcast is about. And we have a great sales team. So I'm going to make sure that they know about sales QL. Amazing. <laughs> I'm looking at one of them right over there. So <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. We'll make sure to throw that in the show notes for any uh, people out there that are uh, doing sales. And that should be all of you, uh, especially getting into, I, I hate to do shoulds, but really guys, you know, my thoughts on getting into uh, other retail and flagship retail uh, as we move on here. And I think it's incredibly important. Anyway, uh, next question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to? Ooh, that's a good one. Favorite audiobook? I just listened to Atomic Habits, which was excellent. Oh. Do you, now, are you are you subscribed to James Clear's newsletter? No. Okay, you got it. You got to do it. I'll, I'll send you the link after. It is my every Thursday. I'm just like, yes, this is like, it's brilliant. It's just like condensed versions of, of his incredible mind. Yeah, no, I love that stuff. And I, I think uh, I, I love the idea of peak performance training. So the other book I would recommend is The Rise of Superman, which is how do athletes get in the zone or what they call the flow state before they do a stunt? Because an athlete that's about to do a cliff jump can't be thinking about an email he sent or his girlfriend being mad because if he thinks for a second, he's a pancake. So the idea of how do you get in the zone before you do a stunt more so, how do we get in the zone when we're at our desk before we enter a meeting? Mm. So that'll, that will awesome. enhance the Atomic Habits book. Cool, cool. That's great. I'm going to check that one out. I uh, appreciate that recommendation. Uh, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them. Um, they have to be alive. It uh, can't be Elon Musk. Who would it be? Because <laughs> everyone was saying Elon all the time. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, no more Elon. I mean, dude, he's like the most interesting person on the planet. I know. I understand. It's just he's the obvious one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like every day it's like you did what? You had an affair with Sergey Brin's wife? What? You have two kids? Like what? That guy's a freaking honey badger. He just doesn't care. Just... He's, he's emotionless. I actually read his book, Lift Off, which is about how he started SpaceX. The guy is ruthless, doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, he's... So assuming Elon Musk is out of the picture, I would have to say someone like super successful, but actually has emotion and is there. So probably, probably Mark Cuban. I feel like he's a real good chill and mm. I would get a ton of motivation and ideas from brainstorming with him. And yeah, I'd, I'd say Mark Cuban is probably the guy. That's awesome. We've had, I'd say 10 plus businesses on here who Cuban's an investor in. And uh, and it's really interesting to see. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, he knew what he was doing with, for the most part with these. So, I mean, he's also playing playing the odds being in, in the VC yeah. world, but VC and, and angel world, but yeah. Evan, this was an awesome conversation. Thanks so much. So I know we talked about it a little bit before. Where can people connect with you and then also learn more about Jarvis ML? Yep. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm out here speaking at conferences, doing podcasts. I'm happy to just do basic education on machine learning if it's interesting. And uh, right now we're early. We're in the early stages of machine learning. So it's best to do your education now because trust me, every app, every solution that you have in the next six months to a year, they're going to launch their own ML and you're going to have to do your own due diligence on is it really ML slash is this the solution that we want? So I'm happy to just from an educational standpoint, talk to anyone, find me on LinkedIn. Jarvis ML is the company I'm with and uh, we just raised a $16 million seed. So we're moving fast and yeah, just find me anywhere. Let's talk. Awesome. Awesome. That's great.
Evan, thank you again so much for your time today. And we'll make sure to have all of those links in the show notes, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.